For the creatively adventurous and the relentlessly curious, this is the Creativity Cafe. A podcast that answers your questions about creativity, inspires new ideas, and makes you feel right at home. I'm Paige Baldwinando, and I'm a writer and creativity coach who helps people move past their blocks and maximize their creative potential. And I'm Jordana Matsuda. I'm an illustrator, and I'm on my creative journey with Paige helping me along the way. So grab a cup of tea and join us in discovering new creative landscapes here on the Creativity Cafe. So, Jordana. Yes? I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever had a time in your life where things were just kind of going in a way that was not how you expected or how you would have hoped? And then at some point had some kind of pivot, like a serendipitous pivot where even though you wouldn't think anything good would come out of this situation, suddenly there, there was something for you, especially creatively, that good that came out of it? Um, yeah, um, it wasn't like in a specific event, but more like a feeling. So about three years ago, yeah, about three years ago, I really had this deep need somewhere in my body. I think my brain, I was always thinking about it. And then in, in my body, there was this need to to go back to my relationship with my dad because he mm. passed away when I was five. So I never knew him. Um, I don't have any memories with him. And it's something that has always kind of, in a way, been a part of my identity. Yeah. You know, and I used to just kind of, oh, you know, people would ask you about your parents and it would just be like my set like phrase. Oh, yeah, my dad died when I was five. Like, mm-hmm. it would, I just say it like it was, you know, how, hello, how are you? It's the same kind of right. feeling behind that. Um, and I don't like I do. I don't know why three years ago that came up, I guess, just, you know, spiritually, I needed to address it, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, but I didn't know what to do with that energy that feeling is like I have it and I'm always thinking about it and yeah I met some so different people and had different conversations with you know different types of people and I just felt like I need to I need to make something I need to put this energy into something that I can look at and think about in a way that isn't just like something going around in my head 10 million times a day <laughs> do you know mm-hmm. what I mean we all know that feeling don't we so yeah I just you know I got my paints out and I just started painting and drawing and um which you know I hadn't seriously done since I was living back in England well I had no since I first came to Japan like my first couple of years in Japan I was quite creative and made a lot of art but um yeah the last you know, 10 years, I've not really picked up anything creative. Um, So, yeah, I just started drawing again and it really gave me a sense of peace. It gave me a, like, um, a way to process those feelings that didn't feel stressful and didn't feel overwhelming. And through that it's kind of 
made me think about my art in a way to tell stories or to um to you know inspire people to think about things not necessarily in a different way but just take a moment to stop and think about themselves or their surroundings or something um, right yeah there's yeah that introspective element yes can come in yeah 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 so. and once it is like you once you bring that into whatever you're making it almost is like there's an air about it that people can sense right mm. that like there's an introspection that is drawn out in the viewer as well when they look at it yeah. I, yeah I hope so I hope that it, you know I think that's for me anyway that's the beauty of um art or pictures drawings you know they give you that moment be it like just a literal moment or 10 minutes to take yourself out of you know wherever you are and connect to something else mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, how about you have you ever had a similar experience yeah I would say you know I, I suppose by the time we get to you know several decades into life <laughs> we may have <laughs> <laughs> we may have in more than one of that type of experience but true for me one of them one of the more recent ones um was certainly you know after I became a mother um and I had two children in very close succession um I think it's not unusual (laughs) when that happens for a person to feel um a little bit lost from themselves you know and I definitely felt that way I didn't especially raising them in a foreign country um as you also know something about you know it's a it's its own challenge um and I think there was a moment when my children were were young but I had an opportunity to kind of kind of come up for air um where I looked around and was like wait who am I yeah (laughs) (laughs) am I even a person anymore like what (laughs) um and and really it sounds I don't know maybe it sounds like silly or small but but really it was a big deal um for me to to kind of just feel so um at sea in terms of my own identity my own sense of self and so for me my my main writing out uh, my main outlet creatively is writing Mm -hmm. and um it really, it, I, I really wanted to come home to writing. And the long process of me being able to do that was one of the most transformative and valuable and healing processes of my life. And it did. It required a lot of excavation, you know, mm-hmm. sort of emotional excavation. Um, and it, it requires also, doesn't it, like a kind of tenderness with yourself. Yes a willingness to let yourself feel whatever there is to feel and move through it in whatever way it needs to be moved through, which is not always easy. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Because sometimes you feel like um, you do this thing and it will be, you'll feel better, but then right. you, you do that thing and you don't. So <laughs> like, what do I do next? Do I keep on trying this one thing or yeah, it's hard mm-hmm. to know, isn't it sometimes? It is. Yeah. And and really, I don't know. I think of it almost like, like when you're watching something happen in a garden slowly over time, you know, 
you can see a plant start to unfurl or you can see you know a life form kind of naturally taking care of itself even though there are there are points in that process where you think is this gonna be okay Mm. (laughs) you know (laughs) will it really grow (laughs) yeah (laughs) it feels kind of like that it's a very natural process that is um, not always comfortable as many natural processes are not and yet you know when we have the courage to stick with it and we have the tenacity and fortitude to stick with it um, what comes out is often beautiful and surprising so today we're speaking with Melanie Parker who is a painter and teacher and writer uh, living in Perth Australia who has really given us so many beautiful examples of this exact thing that we're talking about now the ways in which these twists and pivots in life can bring us unexpected gifts. Yes, she truly is a wonderful woman. Like listening to her is so enchanting. And yep, you're going to come away from this interview feeling uplifted and motivated, I'm sure. Absolutely. So let's have a listen. From her home in the hills of Perth, Australia, Melanie Parker creates paintings rich with texture and natural imagery. She describes them as joyful celebrations of life inspired by the mystery and wonder of it all. Her work has encircled the globe and is now included in private collections around the world. Melanie also leads in-person workshops that give her students the opportunity to learn new painting skills while building creative confidence. And she's been writing a wonderfully inspiring newsletter for over a decade where she shares bits of her story as well as thoughts on creativity and life. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much, Paige. It's so wonderful to be here. I'm really excited. Wonderful to have you. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you today. (laughs) So we have a question that we ask all our guests, and that is, what's your first memory of doing something creative? Um, You know, I have very little memory of creative activities in my childhood. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing for me. I grew up in Penang in Malaysia and schools weren't places where children weren't particularly nurtured or encouraged creatively. I never did art in high school. I didn't think I was particularly good at it. So my first kind of pleasurable memory, I suppose, of a creative experience was probably in my teens. Is that weird? Is that like... No, no, no. Everybody has a different a different path to get to their, you know, yeah. creative outlets. Hmm. I feel like I should say, you know, as an artist now, oh, yes, I used to, I remember painting, you know, heaps on the kitchen table with my mum. I, <laughs> I don't have that. Like, it just, it, it wasn't part of my life. But my dad was a very avid photographer. He was a dentist, but he, I think his his soul was one of a photographer. And he taught me how to use a camera, you know, an SLR back in the day, Mm. it was all manual. And um, I do remember that in my early teens, he taught me how to use a light meter and, you know, how to understand apertures and f-stops and and the beauty of a backlit image, which I still absolutely love. Um, So I think that that is my earliest memory of uh, anything creative at all was, was crafting images with a with a camera 
And funnily enough, I never went on to become a photographer, but it's my strongest memory, I suppose. You know, my dad teaching me. On the side of the road, actually, I remember we were in a car and he stopped the car and, and jumped out and said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to use the, the, a camera. And I don't know why that happened, but, yeah, it was on the side of the road. <laughs> <side of> the- <laughs> <laughs> what a strong visual. What a strong visual. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how did your creative practice develop then? What, 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 what has yeah. your journey been like from? It that- developed by, entirely by accident. Um, I have a bunch of science degrees. Uh, there's, there's nothing, nothing in my training at university. Not, I think it was nine years of university um, degrees in pharmacology and biochemistry and dietetics. And I even have a master's degree in medical science. Nothing wow. of the degrees would, would have indicated that I would become a professional artist. Um, but to, to explain how I became an artist by accident, I'm going to have to tell you a bit of a story. Is that okay? Of oh, course. Please. Yes, um, please. So, well, despite all of those degrees, I was, I was a very unhappy and a not very good scientist. I, was, I think I was just a square peg in a round hole. You know, mm-hmm. I have, before we started recording, I told you about my difficulty with numbers. I think I have mild dyscalculia, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, like dyslexia yes. about numbers. Yes. Um, and statistics is completely boggling to me. And work in medical research, which is where I spent most of my time with my training, um, it requires an ease and familiarity with, with both of those. Mm-hmm. Also, I dislike doing something the same way twice. I dislike measuring things precisely. <laughs> <laughs> and accuracy and reproducibility, I think they're basically the hallmarks of um, science. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it made for a not very good scientist, I think. And after some, some years working in the field, I, I left and I returned and my work kind of revolved around the performance. So it was a little bit like, you know, that was my first step into creativity was the performing arts because my late husband, Greg, he was a musician and that's, that's sort of how we met. We're both singers and we're both members of the Baha'i faith. And so we met through music. He was a folk musician. And so we had a little singing duo, both of us. You know, we perform at folk festivals and weddings and things like that, just for fun, really. It was a hobby. But he was a very um, gifted musician. And eventually, his music led him to big productions. So he started working with big casts and big productions. And I managed those productions. Um, And I was also a lead singer in them. So it made for a kind of crazy life with a small child and you know, the the theatrical world is a very intense one. Um, And I got really sick. A few years of this, I got really, really sick. I developed chronic fatigue syndrome and um, I realized that something had to change or um, my life was just going down a hole. And I kind of decided we needed to move away from this life, like physically move. And amazingly, Greg said, okay, because Greg wasn't struggling. He was having the time of his life. You know, he was loving it. But, um, you know, I, I was very unwell. There were days when I, I didn't even have strength to hold a cup because my, my muscles <laughs> were so weak. Um, so we moved literally for a sea change to a, to a coastal town called Albany, about five hours south of Perth. And, um, 
And for want of something better to do, because I couldn't hold down a job, I, the University of Western Australia, where I used to work, it didn't have a, a faculty in Albany. Um, I couldn't really hold down a, a nine to five job because I wasn't well enough. There were days when I was just in bed for days. Uh, so for want of something better to do, I wandered over to the art school, the local art school, uh, which was a technical college, and said, will you have me? <laughs> like, you know, basically it was like, a, you know, maybe I'll try this because, you know, I'm curious about art and maybe, maybe this is something I can do and they won't mind if there are some weeks when I don't show up and mm -hmm. explain, you know, that I'm illness and um, the rest of the time I'll, I'll be very committed because I'm, I'm quite disciplined when I'm, you know, committed to something, but there are days when I just won't be able to come. Is that okay? And they said, yes. And so it was really, it was really accidental. I never thought, oh, I'm going to retrain as an artist, you know, that would have felt like a very, how can you give away all of those years of training in science and just decide you're going to become an artist now? You know, what right have you to do that? that? That would have been my thinking. So I never thought that. I just thought, well, I'm too sick to do anything else. So how about I just do some courses in art? And you know what? I never looked back. Within the mm. first week of art school, it was like my heart exploded. And, and, it, and it really felt like this is why I was not a very good scientist because this is what it feels like to do something that you just love. Wow. Yeah. And I stayed like five years. I never looked back. Yeah, five years. Wow. It sounds like a homecoming. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. It was actually like falling in love. Um, oh. That feeling of, you know, when you first fall in love and that, the per that person is all you can think about? Like yes. you wake up and you're thinking about them. You go to bed and you're thinking about them. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't think about anything else I could only think about the art that I was making and it was uh it was just um it was very heart expanding uh and I remember my daughter who was only nine at the time in my first year of art school she she would watch me making things on the kitchen table and she would say mom do you love your art more than me oh <laughs> So I had to lie and say, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> she could feel the pure joy. <laughs> I do love her more than anything, but of no, course. it was very all-consuming. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful story. It's funny, you know, how I think um, adversity can often lead us onto great fulfillment in life. It's one of the, I think it's one of the mysteries of, it's one of the mysteries of this human existence, I think, yeah. that great adversity can lead to great, um, great blessings, great providence, uh, great, great victories. Yes. There's a phrase in the Baha'i writings that goes um, where the divine is speaking to us, where uh, it says, my calamity is my providence. Outwardly, it is fire and vengeance, but inwardly, it is light and mercy. And to me, that really speaks to my soul because it felt, when I was sick, it felt like, it really felt like fire and vengeance. I felt like I was walking through the fire. Everything that had any meaning to me in my life was burned away. And what was I good for? You know, that, that's what it felt like at the right. time. But it was that illness that led me to make this huge sea change, this big life change, 
And I wouldn't have had the courage to do it in the city because art school in the city is full of young people that look really cool and, you know, they really <laughs> I would have felt too intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a country town, it didn't feel intimidating. It felt friendly. And right. so when I moved there and I just thought, well, what do I do now? It really led, there was this portal into a whole different world. Um, and also to healing and recovery from um, the illness that I was suffering. But that's a whole, that's a whole other story. <laughs> right. I mean, that therapeutic element, I think, is a big part of what creativity does for yes. us. Yes. Right. That we, we sometimes, um, or I think many people are, are not even oh, that aware of it, no. of how therapeutic it can be. But it is truly this soulful, beautiful healing thing yes. to do. It really is. And I guess there is, you know, art therapy. There is right. the, yes. the whole discipline of art therapy. But I think that using our creativity in whatever context is therapeutic. Yes. So you don't have to seek it out as art therapy. I mean, you can. I mean, it's very powerful. But making art, the making of art heals us. It, yes. it, um, it, it therapizes us. And uh, yeah. I, I think people sort of worry about the fact that, you know, your outcomes may not be good enough or whatever. The outcome is almost irrelevant. It is the process that leads to healing and recovery um, at a very profound level. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mysterious thing. It's a beautiful thing. I totally agree. Mm. Yes. So with that in mind, I'm curious, what is your process like? What is the process for you as you try to make something, whatever it may be? Um, I think it's a, it's a layered process. I work in layers on practical terms. I work a lot with texture. Most of my work is quite textured, not all of it. Um, so the texture is often the layer that I put down first and it can be entirely abstract or it could have recognizable shapes, which are kind of nature inspired, often, often leaves. Um, and I, I sometimes use leaves directly from the forest to make the texture or I cut stencils of the leaves and I use those stencils and that's for a practical thing so that I can use them repeatedly because leaves will, you know, sort of degrade. And um, so I I cut the leaves, uh, I draw them out and trace them onto, onto stencils and then I cut them out. So I might, I might use um, texture as my first layer quite often, maybe 60% of my work is like that. Mm. And, um, the inspiration that, that, you, that you asked about, um, well, I currently live and work in a forest. So the, the colors and the textures of Australian eucalyptus trees and their fragrance and their bird life um, and their shapes, they're all really amazing fodder for the creative process. Whether it's writing or making art, it's literally just um, very enriching to the soul. And my studio is kind of perched over the forest. So it's there, that inspiration is constantly around me. Anyway, so after I put down sort of a layer of texture, going back to the practicalities of it, um, I will then put down layers of paint. Um, And often this is with a lot of water. So it's quite, it can be quite chaotic. Um, I allow the paint to settle into the texture. And then when it's dry, I might do some sanding and actually sand back the paint. Mm-hmm. to kind of reveal the texture a bit more. And this process is then, it becomes one of bringing order to chaos. And I, I only kind of um, 
understood that's what I was doing as I was sharing it with my students. Right. I think that it kind of reflects the journey in life that I've been on. Life is a little bit about, you know, you make a plan, you try to have some order, and then it just dissolves into chaos. I <laughs> <laughs> bring some order back into it. And I think that my creative process is a little bit like that. And it's also quite tactile, that whole sort of business of sanding my paintings and feeling them. Um, it, it's quite a tactile process. So I guess... Um, from there, it would kind of move on into layers and layers of, you know, that bringing of order to chaos. It's sort of layers of um, finer layers of glazes of paint that bring a focal point into the painting or um, allowing the painting to emerge from there. Yes. So, yeah, that, that's, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. I mean, describing it sort of is a bit hard, but yeah, that's sort of what it is. <laughs> mm, it sounds so it sounds so interesting it's really interesting to hear other artists way of you know creating their work how, how long does that process usually take you to create one piece of artwork I actually don't know um, okay in the sense that I don't well I've never timed it mm. I, um, I tend to when I'm making art um, for say my own like body of work I never work on one painting. I tend to work on multiple paintings. Okay. So because I work in layers, uh, I will get really bored just waiting for one layer to dry. Mm -hmm. I might work on 15 paintings at the same time, and they're all in various stages of completion. So while one is drying, I'll pick up another one and work on that one. And that does two things. It keeps me entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like our own creative process has to bring us um it has to interest us it has to bring joy and fulfillment and interest and when i get bogged down with the process of bringing one painting to resolution and just that one painting i can get a bit um tangled and mm -hmm. tired and so it keeps me fresh when i work on multiple paintings at the same time it keeps the energy flowing but the, i think the most important thing that it does is it helps me to detach from outcomes, which for me is the most important part of my process, is not getting tangled up in how is this going to end up, you know. I, I try to stay with the process and just, you know, be there and go, well, this is just a layer. How can I move it forward? Uh, so I don't, the short, the short answer is I don't know how long it takes. Oh, that's okay, yeah. <laughs> the answer is... Um, yeah, what I just gave you. <laughs> yeah, it's just because because you do have uh, like so many steps to your process. I was just wondering. Yeah, so it's really. Yeah, I have a visual image of you. Yeah, making your artwork now, so that's nice. <laughs> um, all in one day, though. So one in, I do it in an intensive class where I teach the um, that process that I just described, the texture process. I teach it in a it's sort of an intensive day, but I always tell my students, don't expect to finish your paintings in one day. I never have in my life. Mm -hmm. but I teach you my process in one day, and then you can sort of expand on it and, and sort of finish your work, you know, in your own time. Don't rush it. Let the paintings percolate. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, I often get asked that, how long does it take? I really should time it. And oh, yeah. <laughs> no no you do you just do it the way you do it and yeah it doesn't have to be a time you know to it so um 
So I just wondered as well, like, so currently, what are some projects that you're working on that you're excited about? I am excited about making art on my sofa at the moment. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) To call it a project um, might give it a sense of importance and purpose that I would hesitate to attach to it. Um, It's really me sitting on my sofa and watching Netflix or listening to an audio book and creating repetitive lines in my sketchbook. And um, I refer to it as my sketchbook art, but it doesn't involve any sketching at all. It's actually creating um, fully formed pieces with maybe a little wash of acrylic paint to start with in the background. And then a lot of acrylic paint pens. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Brand we use a lot in Australia is Posca. And I I don't know where they're made, but. They're Japanese. Are they? Oh my God. Yes. Oh, wow. So you're very familiar with them. We love Posca. We do. (laughs) Pens are my best friend right now because it makes me feel like I can um, just keep doing these intricate line works and sort of detailed patterns on on my sketchbook page without any agenda. <laughs> I'm just, yes. this, is, this is my current project, no agenda, sketchbook art. But my days, I mean, I guess it sounds like I spend my days lying on a sofa and, you know, making art in my sketchbook. And that would be nice, but... <laughs> <laughs> And let's add some chocolate to that process. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> but I guess my ongoing project is always um, my teaching practice uh, where, you know, I, I spend my days uh, prepping for my workshops, um, seeing my private students or, you know, that sort of thing. There's, there's a lot of um, ongoing work that occupies the nine to five. But the evenings now, this little project of mine, my sketchbook project, is is very fulfilling. I love it. I just love it. It's wonderful. I, I loved reading about that in your newsletter where you spoke about the origin of that practice. Would you be interested in telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, because that involves something that has united all of us, which is All cool. of us. Yes. <laughs> um, it's interesting how, well... When I got COVID, which was, um, I think, about three and a half months ago, uh, I was triple vaxxed. So when I first got it, I thought I would be just like everyone else that I know, literally everyone else. I just got a mild flu. And um, in Australia, particularly Perth, has been quite insulated from COVID because our borders in Western Australia were shut for a very long Mm -hmm. time. And so we had it quite easy here. There were very low mortality rate and so on. And then once the vaccinations came, um, still, really, you know, it was, we were so, so protected. Uh, so when I got COVID, I just thought I would be like everyone else. But no, I wasn't. I got really, 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 really sick. Like, so sick that I think if I wasn't triple vaxxed, I would be a statistic. I would have died. Uh, because I got every single symptom that COVID, the worst of COVID brings, except for the difficulty in breathing. Thank God I didn't have that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it messed with my mind. It messed with my heart and soul. I just kind of lost myself. And in that time, um, I didn't have the strength to seek any kind of 
therapy from my art by going to my studio and painting. There was no strength in me. But I just lay there in bed or on my sofa and looking at the patterns on my duvet cover and feeling like there's so many beautiful patterns here. I wish I could capture them. So this was my mind really going a bit weird because my duvet cover became my world. And um, is that an expression you have, duvet? Uh, they're called dunas here. They're quilt covers. Your yeah. bed, bed covers. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I remembered that I had this sketchbook that was that had really thick, heavy paper that I had bought, I don't know, maybe a year before, inspired by this artist, a British artist called Helen Wells. I used to watch her videos and she makes sketchbook art that is absolutely gorgeous and delightful. And uh, she has a whole practice of it in beautiful videos. And I would just be really inspired by her videos, inspired so that I bought a sketchbook but never did anything with it. Um, <laughs> different from a visual diary. So a visual diary I see is something where you're, you're sort of experimenting and you might stick things into and write words in and put ideas in. And I'm very familiar with visual diaries, but her practice of sketchbook art is something I had never encountered. Anyway, lying there with COVID, still dead, I remembered this sketchbook and I thought, oh, what the hell? I'm gonna drag myself out of bed, get that sketchbook and start drawing things into it, um, making lines with some pens. And that is something I have continued to do to this day. Um, so that was, I mean, that sounds like it was years ago, but it did feel like a lifetime ago. I'm sure it, was, it did. It was only like three and a half months ago, but I, I, I pretty much do it every day now. And it has just been such a calming and beautiful process. And occasionally when I photos um, of the work that I've done in my sketchbook on, on social media, I'll get questions, you know, um, you know, are you going to teach this? This is, you know, this is amazing or whatever. And I just go, you know, I refer them all to Helen Wells because she teaches it and she was my inspiration. My work is very different from hers, but I have no intention of teaching it now. You know, like it's, it's just a private thing for me and mm -hmm. I'm just loving that. Yeah. And it, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, sometimes adversity is what brings us to something that we end up loving, that opens us to something that otherwise we wouldn't have had any reason Absolutely. to come across or have access to. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, that, that's something that I have really absorbed into my, into my bones. For me, the creative process has become, it's become my connection with the, with the divine force inside me or yeah. outside me or wherever you like to call it, you know, like it, it's a sacred practice for me. It's yeah. often, it feels like a prayer. It feels like a, it, it feels like a spiritual practice. So yeah. um, for me, well, not always. I mean, sometimes I fight with my paintings. <laughs> so let's not, let's not make it too rosy. Uh, <laughs> that struggle itself, you know, I mean, I've had words with God before and gone, you know, couldn't you have made a better system than this? You, you know, you're supposed to have designed the universe. Couldn't you have made it a bit easier for us? <laughs> but, you know, it, the, the, in my quiet moments of reflection, in my quiet moments of being immersed in my creative practice and at the moment, in my moments of um, quietly making art by making intricate patterns in my sketchbook, 
um, it does feel very much like a, a reconnection with the divine in me. And there's, there's this uh, beautiful quote that I, I want to share because when I found it, I, it really uplifted me. Can I share it with you? Yeah, sure. It's, it was actually written in the 19th century. So it sounds a bit, um, you know, it sounds a bit ancient, but um, I, I'll just share it. It says, it goes like this, in this wonderful new age, art is worship. The more thou strivest to perfect it, the closer wilt thou come to God. What bestowal could be greater than this, that one's art should be even as the act of worshipping the Lord? That is to say, when thy fingers grasp the paintbrush, it is as if thou wert at prayer in the temple. And I just love that. It brings a sacredness to my creative practice, which sometimes that sacredness can get lost in the... Um, in the ebbs and flows of life, you know, and also Absolutely. in the fighting with a piece of art, because, you know, the journey of, of making anything from nothing <laughs> can get, mm. can get quite um, a struggle. Can get can. Quite... <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. interested to, so when you say, you know, you're fighting with your arts, like what, can you explain a bit more about like what, how that presents itself? Um, sometimes I think that the, process of making art any kind of art like you know whether you're writing a poem or writing a book or or, or making a painting is a is a series of solving problems you know you have an idea you 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 try and enact that idea but then you run into roadblocks uh, you run into obstacles that are that are um, almost inevitable and in the process of uh, finding your way through those obstacles Something, something beautiful and new and unexpected can emerge, um, and and does emerge. I think if you persevere, but yeah. the uncertainty that surrounds that process is is I think very counterintuitive to the human spirit. We all want certainty, mm -hmm. uh, yes. and trying to find, trying to be comfortable with the discomfort of that uncertainty is a lifelong process. But I think is this sort of <laughs> the secret source to yeah. really um, to really getting over yourself and making art. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There is a lot of getting over oneself. It yeah, really is. is. <laughs> we take ourselves so seriously. I think mm -hmm. often as creatives, we can take ourselves so seriously, and so. <laughs> enough around that you know it yeah it can be I think conversations like this where we can laugh at ourselves a bit yes <laughs> yes <laughs> they really are and I think those are the places too where you know we we realize oh I'm not alone in this yeah you know yeah other creatives have these same obstacles and these same fights with their work and the same feeling of it doesn't mean that I'm not a creative person when yes. I have these feelings. In yeah. fact, I often say to my clients and to myself that having these blocks and obstacles is evidence that I am a creative person. Yeah. Because when I wouldn't feel them if I wasn't so compelled to create. Yes. Also. Yes. You know, I, I wouldn't have this struggle. Yes. Um, and so to me, it's like this beautiful, um, 
almost like a like a recognition you know like here I am in this moment I wouldn't care about this if I wasn't so deeply invested in yes. my creativity and my work yes yeah absolutely you've said it so beautifully Paige absolutely yeah and I think also the creative process um it does bring up a lot of fear for many people mm -hmm. because it's the nature of the, the nature of it is that you are uncertain and uncertainty brings up fear. You know, if we knew all of our outcomes, it wouldn't be particularly creative. It would be, you know, a copy or a photocopy of something. Um, so that, that fear is also very uncomfortable, but it's, yeah. it, is, it is kind of natural. It's just part of it. And you, and you kind of, we kind of have to just make friends with it and just go, yep, there you are, you know? You yes. keep me along for the ride, but you're not going to stop me. <laughs> right. Yes. That's actually like an image that I love to use with, my, again, with myself and also with clients is this like along for the ride. I'm the driver and fear is going to be in the car no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> and I often like to think of it as like, like a pet or a, an animal that I love because I need it and it's there. It wants to protect me. That's what it wants to do. You yeah. know, yeah. for me, it's like a darling, sweet dog who's not that bright, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Hey, I want to protect you from all this stuff around, but it's not really helpful when the dog in the passenger seat barks at the car passing, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's so to think of it this way really helps. I think to put it in perspective because fear is fear. It can yeah. really bring us to our knees sometimes. Yes, it can really de derail us and it mm -hmm. can stop us from, um, it can stop us from creating. It, you know what? It was actually what stopped me. It was the reason why I became a scientist, funnily enough, when I look back. Oh. Um, I was afraid of creativity. I was afraid of the creative process. It seemed so unstructured and yeah. so rife with, you know, what if it runs out? You know, what, what if creativity runs out? Um, right. So for me, it kind of had to happen by accident because it was too scary to embark on a creative career um, mm -hmm. with intention because, you know, what, what, what happens if you stop being creative? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> what if we fail? What if it doesn't work? What if I announce to the world that I'm going to do this thing and then I can't do it? Yes. That is, you know, of course that's scary, especially when we've been trained through our schooling that there is a right way, there is a procedure, there is an order to things, to all things. Yeah, know? yeah. And the creative process just simply is not like that. And so the wildness of it, the, the nature of it, and the unpredictability of it can come to us, can feel to us like oh my, like, that's just not <laughs> for me, even though when we actually do connect with it and feel close to it, it feels like the most natural thing ever. Yes. And, you know, there is a structure within it when we, when yeah. we actually look at it more from a more detached perspective, when we can step back, there is a structure to it. And that structure is one of you know, excitement, enthusiasm, um, you know, uh, I idealism, and then a gradual waning of, of that, of all of those high energy things as, as a project perhaps, you know, sort of becomes, you know, you get kind of 
bogged down in a little bit and then it can it can seem like the the graph down and down and down the, the graph of energy and enthusiasm and if you re recognize that that is part of the process and you go right i am i'm heading down at the moment but if i keep going i will actually get through this and then the graph changes in its direction and it starts going upwards again and that sort of pattern to me is actually is when we recognize that that pattern happens almost in every project for me like in every painting that I do there's a point in the painting where it's not my friend it's yes. not something that I'm thinking yeah you're 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 just fabulous you know this is awesome I'm actually thinking <laughs> quite the opposite um but I've sort of trained myself to recognize that is part of the structure and process of this journey. And it's okay. It's, it's fine. Just keep going. That's um, right. Yeah. But that, you know, that, that in, just that involves discipline. That involves like a mental and physical discipline of just keeping going when it's not rosy, when it's not exciting. <laughs> It absolutely does. And it, it requires, you know, a, a faith in yourself and in the process, mm. you know, to know that it is circuitous. It's mm. not linear. Yeah. You know, the same way we know the sun will rise tomorrow or yeah. the leaves will fall in the autumn. We know that the process will be like this and we can trust it even when it's hard to trust it. You know, in the middle of winter, it can sometimes feel hard to imagine a summer day at the beach, yeah. you know. And yet, <laughs> when we do it often enough, when we've seen that cycle often enough, we do know that it will come again. We can trust it. Absolutely. That is so poetic. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I guess it does trip a lot of people up. And if you look back to the artists of the, um, of the modern era, you know, where, where they used a lot of substances to help them get through <laughs> those, those breakdowns. And um, I think now... We, we've come to a point where we can recognize that um, we it's just part of the process and we don't require substances to get us through. Yes. Right. Maybe some coffee and a chat with a friend, but we can actually just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today, Melanie. It's just been so wonderful to hear more about your story and your process and, you know, your relationship with creativity and how you share it with others. Thank you. Yes, both of you. It's been really lovely talking to you. Yeah, it's been a joy to listen to you. I love the way you talk. It's um, so engaging, so interesting. So thank you for sharing it with us all. You're welcome. <laughs> and where can people find you online when they would like to look for more information? Well, my website, which is um, maliniparker.com, but my name is spelt in a way that it isn't pronounced. So it's M-A-L-I-N-I Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R.com, MaliniParker.com. And that's where, yeah. But if, if they just Google, you know, like it probably Google recognizes um, me as a teacher in, in Perth more than, um, you know, any other thing. So if they, they Google art classes Perth, I will come up. Ah, um, wonderful. Yes. Yeah. I also really encourage people to get on your um, email list because your newsletters are beautiful and I really enjoy reading them. Just, I'm so very appreciative. So I really appreciate that feedback. Any creative yeah. writing a newsletter, writing a blog, it's all part of the creative process. 
and it can be a very lonely one sometimes because you're writing and you know um, you're imagining an audience and uh, it's so um, heartwarming to to hear that you've um, enjoyed reading my words so thank you thank you for that thank you Thanks so much for joining us today. Come back next time for more conversation and interviews with fascinating creatives from all over the world. Until next time, keep creating.